Amen. Thank you to all who have participated. It is so good to be together. It's good to bless one another, to listen to God's Word as it's read, to have a little bit of quiet uh, and time to reflect and to think a little bit. I hope that's a blessing for you. As Michael said, we're going to continue on, and we've really been looking at, especially these first few chapters of Hebrews, as being an exposition of the incarnation, uh, where the, the preacher, the one who is bringing this message to this tired, weary group of uh, formerly Judaic Christians, tempted to go back into Judaism because they're tired, uh, they're worn down, persecution, uh, all of these different things. He's exhorting them to consider Jesus, uh, to hold on to him. He's the one that's entered into your world. He's the one that is your champion. He is the one that can give you, as we're going to see tonight, rest. And in some ways, you know, as we've been moving through Advent, we've been aware of the waiting and the longing. We even saw it, I think, somewhat today. Uh, Emma remarked to me as we walked in, it was like Advent was over at four o'clock and the sun came out. Uh, it, it was so beautiful just to realize that when we come to the Christ candle, as it were, when it comes to the incarnation, we receive the gift. And a big part of the gift can be captured in this idea of rest. So let's read Hebrews 4, uh, the first 13 verses together. If you are here this morning, uh, you'll see that it's very much a continuation of Hebrews 3. Uh, if you weren't here this morning, it's okay. Uh, we'll be fine. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, as I read, uh, you're going to hear two references to good news. See if you can see what the good news is. Um, and you're also going to hear a lot about rest, but it's, it's not all the same. So maybe as you read, try to see if you can pick out some of the different things that are mentioned about rest. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, and that's the former generation, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, they, the disobedient generation, shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thus far in the reading of God's word, thanks be to God. Lord, as we open this word briefly this morning or this evening, we pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would continue with us even as we saw in chapter 3, he is at work to do. And Lord, we, we come with all sorts of uh, baggage tonight. We come with all sorts of uh, hopes and fears. We come from all sorts of different backgrounds. We're here for a variety of different reasons. But Lord, we are here, and you are here, and, and we, we pray that you would do your work in all of our hearts Uh, from the hardest of heart to those that are most eager and most soft. Meet us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you pick up the good news? I think the good news in this passage is that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, what does that mean? It's kind of some interesting language, and we're going to unpack that a little bit as we go tonight. But I I want us to focus on the idea of rest, because I would contend, and I don't think I'd be alone in this, that One of the things that characterizes our society, that characterizes our life now, is the absence of rest. Uh, Whether it be uh, harried just for seeking after success, going after uh, degrees and diplomas and all of that, whether it be trying to prove ourselves in the court of popularity, whether it be the fatigue that we have from being old and our bodies breaking down, the fatigue that we have from our relationships, whether they're in our marriages or in our families or however it might be, we are fatigued, we are tired, we lack rest. We lack rest because there's always noise. There's always noise. We can click on here and there, and we can read this and that, and it's so hard for us to step away. That's why one writer has characterized this, uh, the burnout society. He says, every age has its signature afflictions. Our age he says, is known as the burnout society. Burnout is depression and exhaustion, the sickness of society that suffers from excess, an achievement society, a yes-we-can world in which nothing is impossible, a world that requires people to strive to the point of self-destruction. It reflects a humanity waging war upon itself. The louder the talk about burnout, it appears, the greater the number of people who say they are burned out, harried, depleted, and disconsolate. Does that identify, does that connect with any of you? 
Uh, even in our, our best efforts sometimes, there was a satire piece uh, that sort of captured my imagination, talking about a woman who planned out her Sabbath day. I work upwards of 60 hours a week, so I usually have to jam all of my rest and fun into a short period of time. Recently, I organized the perfect Sunday uh, for my friend group. First, we'd have brunch, then rent some bikes for a ride by the river. I blocked out 45 minutes to stop by the farmer's market, followed by kickball in the park and then drinks downtown. There was more to. However, around midday, I started to have a hard time breathing. I felt nauseous and nearly passed out. The girls brought me to the hospital. Even though I begged them not to, we hadn't even got to the escape room. That is rest for some of us. We, we don't know how to even disconnect or unplug. It's always, what am I going to do? And listen, I am just as guilty of this as the next person. What am I going to do to fill this space, to fill this moment? We become very uncomfortable with the idea of silence. So it's video games, it's Netflix, it's uh, going here, going there, harried, Restless, restless. And part of what the scripture says is, is Christmas is about a gift. It, it's about good news. And, and the good news is that there is rest. There is actually a place in the universe. There's actually a person in the universe to whom which we can come and we can find rest. You see that, as I mentioned here in this passage, in verses 2, the good news came to us just as to them. But this previous generation, they didn't press on with Jesus. They, they didn't press into the promises of God, as we talked about this morning. And, and they were not united by faith, and they did not enter the rest. It's interesting, and it's a hard passage you know, does that mean that all of that generation who came out of Egypt was spiritually lost? I'm not sure that we can say that. Um, I'm, I'm not positive, maybe. Uh, but it may be that they had come to a place where they dealt with the consequences of their disobedience in such a way that they did not enjoy that earthly rest. You know, sometimes we, we see that in our lives. We have consequences for our beliefs and behaviors. That's true. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're eternally separate from God. But what we can recognize and, and what is being promised here this Christmas Eve is that there is rest here and now as well as into eternity. And this is really good news. Uh, good news that we can even now enjoy rest in, in our hearts and in our minds. Now, the second thing that we have to work through as we, as we go through this, and, and hopefully your, your interest is at least a little peaked right now, uh, but the second thing we have to define is what exactly does he mean by rest? Because as I've alluded to, sometimes we can think about rest as um, entertainment. Uh, we can think of rest as inactivity. But 
I don't think that's exactly or at least not fully what is being talked about here. If you look at verses uh, 8 and following, here the preacher says to his congregation, he says, if Joshua had given that first generation rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did. Two things there. One, we have Joshua's rest, and then secondly, we have God's rest. Let's take God's rest first. God's rest, you know, we, he goes all the way back and he connects with the creation story. And, and he says, when we read that creation story, God rested from his works. Now, we know a couple of things. God did rest, and he, he set aside the, the seventh day, the Sabbath day. He, he made it holy, and he blessed it. We, we continue that tradition. It's no longer the seventh day in the Christian tradition, but it's the first day of the week, uh, the day in which we remember that, that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, put into place a, a new creation. Uh, God did that not because he was tired, uh, you know, when God rested, you know, we oftentimes rest because we're, we're fatigued and we're tired and we, we need to, that, that wasn't the purpose of God's rest. God's rest was for enjoyment. It was a sense of completion. It was uh, his, his telos. It was where he had his fulfillment and that, that rest came to that. In a certain sense, this is very similar to Joshua's rest because Joshua's rest was after they, uh, they, they, they wandered in the desert, they were led out of Egypt, they finally get to the promised land. And when they entered into the promised land, they had rest. So what we have to recognize here is, is a couple of things, I think. The good news that Jesus' birth, that the incarnation brings into the world, is that there is rest, but it's not just simply an inactivity. It's a rest of completion. It's a rest of fulfillment. It's a rest within ourselves. It's a rest in us knowing that we can be okay with who we are and with who God made us to be. This, it seems to me, is an incredibly, incredibly valuable kind of rest. And it seems to me that it is part and parcel with the good news that this preacher is bringing to the Hebrews. Because again, they're tired. Now, their persecution isn't going to go away. They are still going to be in Rome. They are still going to be Christians. They're still going to be the oddballs in society. They're still going to have difficult things. But what the preacher is saying here is there is a rest. A rest that you can know. A rest that comes from having a settled sense of self in the midst of a world where there is all kinds of chaos. Does that sound good? It sounds good to me. Uh, it, it's something that, that I feel myself 
pressing towards and pressing into because there is so much in our world that leads us to unrest. I've, I've mentioned a variety of different things, and I, I think you can draw the lines, you know, just in terms of how that comes into our lives personally and how we search. We search for all of these things to, to give us rest. I, I'm searching for it in my relationships. I'm searching for it in my entertainment. I'm searching for it in my career. I'm searching for it even in my morality and in my own sense of righteousness, trying to prove myself to God. Have any of you ever been there? That's so tiring. It's so fatiguing because we have to be honest with who we are and we know that we're broken. We know that we're messed up. We know that our hearts uh, are, are at the point where they are pierced by the word. We know that to be true. And so we try harder and we spin more and we never find that rest. So where do we find that rest? Why, why is this good news? What is on offer here? It's actually a pretty interesting passage. I, I have to confess to you, I haven't really, a lot of you, if you've been in church for a long time, uh, know uh, chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions uh, of the heart. We, we know that verse, but I had a hard time figuring out, like, what is it doing here? Like, why, why is that verse here? Because here we're, we're talking about this rest, and, and then he starts talking about this, this living word, and what does that mean, and, and how do I put this all together? Here is, I think, the, the move or the journey that this preacher has us on. He says, we need to strive to enter that rest. So that's verse 11, right? Maybe 12? 12? Uh, strive to enter that rest. And we, we look at that and we say, okay, what he means by this is we, we have to work harder. He's coming to this congregation and he's saying, you're tired uh, you're worn out, you're weary, there's rest for you, you need to work harder to get that rest. Does that sound like the gospel to anybody? No, that, that's not the gospel. Unfortunately, that's often how we interpret this. But what he's saying is we need to strive to enter that rest. What does it mean to strive? We bring ourselves under the word. We bring ourselves into the ministry of the Word, the Word of God, which is living and active, that is able to pierce us uh, to the deepest parts, that's able to divide within us truth from falsehood, this Word of God under which no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him, we must give account. That, that term there, naked and exposed, that duality of terms, it's interesting, isn't it? Here is where we get to 
the, the upside-down nature of the gospel and sort of the counterintuitive way in which it comes into our lives. We think that we earn rest by proving ourselves. The gospel comes to us, the good news comes, and it says you receive rest, you find rest in your vulnerability. When you are at your least put together, when you are naked and exposed, perhaps your life has fallen apart, perhaps you have no hope, Perhaps you are at a place where you are so tired and you say, I cannot keep going. When you are naked and exposed, that is when we are at the point to receive the piercing of the gospel. You know, you read the, the piercing sound or the piercing word and maybe you, you caught it as we read even some of the uh, passages tonight earlier, uh, the Word of God that uh, pierced Mary's heart. Um, there's a lot of piercing in the Old Testament. Uh, primarily, we think of Isaiah 53, by His wounds we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions, and He was wounded for us. You see, what's happening here is is the preacher is saying, when you come under the word as a tired and broken person, it is going to expose you, it's going to lay you bare, you are going to be naked and exposed. And in fact, that word exposed comes out of the Jewish sacrificial system, and it's what they would do to the, the sheep. They would pull their heads back, their neck before they slit their throats. That's what's being pictured for us here, except except it's not our throat that gets slit. Look at how the next few verses of this passage go if you have your Bibles open. Uh, Since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, uh, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. He is a lamb without blemish or defect. And he was exposed and broken in our place. This is the whole message of Ephesians. Jesus is the greater high priest. Why? Because he wasn't only the high priest, he was the lamb. So when we talk about the incarnation, when we think about heaven penetrating into the shroud of earth, when we think about the the song of the angels, when we think about our own fatigue, when we think about how tonight I long for rest, we think about Jesus who was born in a manger and would go from wood to wood, from manger to to a cross, who entered humiliation, who knew no rest. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He became restless so that we could be restful. When he was there on the cross, he was naked and exposed. 
He, he was stripped bare, exposed between heaven and earth, bearing all of the ugliness of sin, both that we have done and that has been committed against us. And he was so anxious in himself. He was so uh, restless. My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? But that was all. That was all so that we could know rest. And so when those angels came to the shepherds and they said, peace on earth among men on whom his favor rests, it was because of Jesus, the child born in the manger who came to give his people rest. How do you get it? The writer tells us, come naked, come exposed, nothing in your hands you bring. Your, your, your righteousness is not going to lead you to rest. John Gerstner, who's uh, now passed away, fairly well-known theologian in certain circles, he, he used to say, lay your damnable doings down. You keep trying to prove yourself to God and you're only going to earn condemnation. But come to God with your hands empty. Come to God with your hands uh, receiving the rest that is offered because of the finished work of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the rest that is offered us through the person and the work of Jesus. Lord, we, we don't understand it. We can't understand how you would enter into this world, why you would love a people like us. We know our own hearts. We know that we are so far from deserving your love, and yet that's not part of your equation. Your equation is you have decided to set your love on us from all eternity. And for all who would look to Jesus and believe, for all who would surrender their lives, come naked and empty with their hands out, you offer rest. And so, Lord, this Christmas Eve, this Christmas season, we, we thank you for the greatest gift of all, the finished work of Jesus that leads us to rest. Not the rest of inactivity, but the rest of knowing that we belong. The rest of knowing that we are yours. The rest that speaks to us of that rest in which we long for in the coming days. We, we enter a second advent waiting for the coming of Jesus. We will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And we will know forever that Sabbath rest that is on promise for those who will believe in Jesus. We pray this all in his strong name. Amen.